Welcome to episode 37 of the PharmExec podcast. I'm Kristen Harm, Associate Editor of PharmExec Magazine and your podcast host. PharmExec Magazine is a multimedia publishing brand that brings you the latest commercial insights for the C-suite. On this week's episode, we have the pleasure of speaking with G1 Therapeutics CEO, Mark Vileka. Mark talks about how he differentiates himself in the oncology field, why he considers G1 Therapeutics to be an old school company, and a little bit about the North Carolina biotech landscape. So we're going to play Mark's interview after this quick break, so stay tuned. Do you follow Pharmaceutical Executive on social media? We often post articles on our website before we publish them in the print edition of the magazine. Following our social media ensures that you get a first look at all content, from articles to news items, webcasts, and event listings. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at PharmExec, on Instagram at PharmExecutive, and YouTube at Pharmaceutical Executive. You can find all of our social media outlets through PharmExec.com. Hello, podcasters. Today, Lisa Henderson, our editorial director, and I will be interviewing Mark Vileka, CEO of G1 Therapeutics. G1 specializes in the science of cyclin-dependent kinesis, or CDKs, and tags itself as a company that provides small molecule therapeutics for large oncology indications. Thanks for joining us today, Mark. Thanks, Lisa and Kristen. A pleasure speaking with both of you today. Yes, we're happy to have you here. And um, one of the things that comes to mind is, Mark, that your company falls under an umbrella of where about a lot of many other companies live, and that is the clinical stage oncology biopharma or biotech. So how have you been able to, at G1 Therapeutics, have you been able to direct, differentiate yourself in this crowded field? Yeah, great question. Um, I think primarily on what we are not. Uh, mm. We're not an antibody company. Uh, we're not about bispecifics or gene editing or CAR-T or oncolytic viruses or many of the other uh, new things that you hear about in the oncology space, especially in the last five years. We are a small molecule company. So uh, oral therapies, enzyme inhibitors, kinases, as you mentioned. Um, and so that actually is different now. Uh, it wasn't so different 20 years ago, um, but it's different now. Um, we're not an IO company, uh, immuno-oncology company, but we understand and acknowledge uh, the incredible uh, role that the immune system plays in fighting cancer, and um, our lead product uh, is definitely in that space. And I think that the third factor that differentiates us is, you know, we're tackling, uh, you know, big problems, big um, indications, breast cancer, lung cancer, colorectal cancer. These aren't niche markets. Uh, they're, they're big indications. And, and I think that's also um, unusual now uh, in the space. Excellent. Thank you. So can you briefly describe that lead compound, and I hope I pronounce it correctly, trilocyclib? That's exactly right. Yeah, okay. Trilocyclib. And so can you describe that and the potential timeline you have around the introduction to the market? Sure. So, so Trila is a unique um, CDK4-6 inhibitor. Uh, it's short-acting. Uh, it's given intravenously 
uh, with chemotherapy, just prior to chemotherapy. And it preserves the bone marrow and the immune system uh, from damage uh, by chemo. And the bone marrow is very important. It, it makes uh, all of your blood cells and immune cells. And obviously, as I, I mentioned, we, we now recognize the incredible importance of the immune system in, in fighting cancer. So trial is unique. Uh, it, no other uh, drug works like uh, trilocyclib, again, given before chemotherapy protects these important cells from damage. Uh, and that was really the foundation of the company and, and uh, when it was founded uh, m many years ago. And we've now moved it forward uh, through four randomized uh, phase two trials, uh, all of which have now read out uh, with positive data. Uh, three of those trials were in small cell lung cancer, and that's a highly aggressive form uh, of lung cancer. Uh, typically treated with uh, regimens, chemotherapy regimens that are myelosuppressive, i.e. They, they damage those um, stem cells in the bone marrow and patients um, get anemic, uh, so they feel fatigued because they don't have enough red cells. Uh, they're at risk for infection because they uh, have, have less neutrophils, so-called neutropenia. They're at risk for bleeding uh, because they're, they're not making platelets, that's thrombocytopenia, and again, importantly, uh, damage to uh, lymphocytes, which, which can fight the cancer. So what we showed when we unblinded those three studies, again, all randomized placebo-controlled double-blind, is that these patients um, had less neutropenia, had less anemia, had less thrombocytopenia, and had fewer interventions that are typically required uh, to support patients um, from uh, these cytopenias. So they had less transfusions. Uh, they had less growth factor administration. So these are, are products that are used to stimulate and boost the production of particular cell types like neutrophils. And, and these patients needed far fewer of those interventions. They felt better. Uh, so we had a patient-reported outcome measure, and these patients felt better. Mm -hmm. uh, and all of this was um, uh, done without uh, at all compromising the efficacy uh, of chemotherapy. So you know, based on those positive findings, um, we met with uh, FDA, and uh, they said we can uh, file for this indication, uh, what we call myelopreservation uh, in small cell lung cancer, and um, we'll be meeting with them soon for a pre-NDA meeting and expect to file uh, in that indication um, next year. Uh, we also had a fourth trial uh, in triple negative breast cancer, and what we knew about trilocyclib um, all along is that in some indications, and, and triple negative breast cancer was one of them, that that preservation of immune system function might not just make the you know, patients feel better and have less myelosuppression, but it actually might mean they would live longer. Uh, again, recognizing the importance of um, T lymphocytes uh, in fighting cancer. And uh, back in December at the San Antonio Breast Cancer Symposium, we uh, announced some preliminary data that were trending in that direction, some uh, progression-free survival data and response rate data. Uh, but about six months later, um, we got another data cut and saw a statistically significant and clinically meaningful um, improvement in overall survival. Uh, in the patients on the trilocyclib arms versus the control arm. 
And uh, that was obviously very exciting for us to see a uh, big benefit to those patients uh, where there aren't a lot of therapies uh, approved other than chemo uh, and now um, one of the checkpoint inhibitors. So we now have an opportunity to have a parallel uh, set of discussions uh, with FDA about these data um, and talk about uh, next steps um, in, in making trilocyclib available in this indication. And you know what, what's exciting to us about trilocyclib is you think about all the different tumors where chemotherapy is used, and it's really all of them. Um, again, I mentioned breast cancer, lung cancer, colorectal cancer. So this concept of a, of a pipeline in a molecule, uh, we now have an opportunity to get the drug approved um, initially in small cell and then immediately start uh, pivotal trials that will lead to uh, SNDAs, supplementary uh, NDAs, uh, so that we can uh, see benefits to patients uh, across multiple tumor types and chemo regimens. That's very exciting for the oncologist, I'm sure, for the oncology community to have that potential coming their way. Yeah, yeah. We've certainly seen uh, people recognize that this is quite different. And uh, right. once they understand how the drug works, um, there, there is a building excitement. Yeah, definitely. Because you see a lot of those advances, I guess, in the, um, I'm going to get this wrong, but for uh, the the blood cancers more than the solid tumor cancers, you know, in some of these companies, I think, you know, so as you say, you focus on the small molecule and, and counteracting the the effects of chemo, which is still pretty much the standard of care, correct? So, yeah, yeah, I think people um, forget that that uh, still in this uh, in the U.S. alone, about a million patients every year get chemo. Um, yeah. as you mentioned, it's still standard of care for a number of different solid tumors, and and it's actually being combined very frequently with uh, immune checkpoint inhibitors. So it's not going away. It's going right. to remain. Uh, um, a cornerstone of, of uh, cancer treatment. Excellent. So why do you call yourself an old school company? Yeah. Um, again, I think it's related to the fact that we're working on small molecules. You know, you, you go back to the origins of the, the pharmaceutical industry and it, it was small molecules, uh, enzyme inhibitors, you know, we're kinase inhibitors. Uh, it's, it's hard to believe, but, you know, Gleevec was, was, was 20 years ago. Um, the first kinase inhibitor um, to be approved for a blood cancer, and now obviously multiple kinase inhibitors. Um, we're working on validated targets, you know, CDK4-6, uh, the target of, of um, trilocyclib, also the target of larocyclib, our, our oral molecule. I'll get to that in a minute. Um, we're not afraid to tackle big markets. Again, uh, something that the, the pharma uh, industry did well uh, many years ago. Um, it has been moving towards more niche markets. Uh, we're not afraid to tackle big problems. Um, I mentioned chemotherapy, um, and, and that's where Trila is. We have two other investigational therapies in our in our pipeline. One of them is an oral CDK4-6 inhibitor, uh, and and there are three marketed products, but we believe they all have um, you know some shortcomings that that can be addressed with a better molecule, and, and that's what we think larocyclib is. That's a big market. Uh, it's ER-positive breast cancer and potentially other tumors. And then there's a, a third target that's probably the best understood target um, in cancer, and that's the estrogen receptor. Um, we've known for 
50 years that estrogen drives um, the majority of, of breast cancers, the, the ER-positive breast cancers. And, and uh, again, talk about old school uh, aromatase inhibitors. So these are enzyme inhibitors that block the production of estrogen were some of the first targeted therapies in cancer. And then tamoxifen, which blocks the estrogen receptor. And then finally, fulvestrin, which degrades the estrogen receptor, but is a, a painful intramuscular drug. Uh, you know, we have not been afraid to go after uh, what people have been looking for for, um, you know, 15 years, and that's an oral um, uh, receptor degrader, or so-called SIRD, an oral SIRD. And that's the third product um, in our pipeline or, or investigational therapy in our pipeline, G1T48. So, again, we're not afraid to go after um, validated targets addressing big markets. You're a physician scientist by training but you left academia for business and a time in Washington to affect health policy. So which specific experiences can you share with our audience that really brought you where you are today? Um, sure. So, so first, uh, you know, my first company, I was a founder, uh, one of three founders and uh, left academics uh, to join that company full, full time. And, you know, some some painful lessons learned there. Um, you know, made all the mistakes that that many academic spinouts make. You know, growing too fast, not focused on product development. Um, ultimately, we we did get focused, and it was interesting that uh, it was a compelling product opportunity that that got us noticed by uh, several folks, and and then uh, ultimately acquired by Gilead back in uh, 2010. Uh, I think my my time at Gilead was um, where I was working in corporate development and R&D strategy was uh, also incredibly helpful to see how um, a bigger company um, evaluates smaller companies. I, I looked at many, many um, different oncology opportunities uh, on the other side of the table. I also got to learn about the uh, commercial side of the business and um, and Gilead's an amazing company, and at that time was um, mostly an HIV company that um, they were moving into hepatitis and, and did the pharmacet. Uh, they did the pharmacet acquisition while I was there. So fascinating time at Gilead. And then kind of the third uh, lesson lesson learned was uh, in a different role in, in healthcare policy, as you mentioned. Uh, spent two years in Washington, right at the time the Affordable Care Act was being uh, implemented, and and realized uh, the uh, and while that was a, a legislative uh, requirement, uh, got to uh, understand the um, incredible importance of uh, regulatory policy, um, specifically um, FDA. Obviously, uh, the approval process we all know about that, but um, the coverage decision that uh, CMS makes um, in, in a new product that's going to be a, a, for Medicare population is also incredibly important. Um, obviously, there's lots of chatter right now about drug pricing, um, so it's great to have been immersed in that um, dialogue. Uh, while it was a, a while ago, uh, these problems aren't going away, so it's it's good to know uh, what kind of commercial um, hurdles lie ahead and have experience in that space. So. I, Combination of those three experiences, I think, uh, uh, really got me ready for uh, the role at G1. That's really great. You know, we've heard we've heard of North Carolina's biotech scene, but it's not really as well known as Cambridge's. So, can you maybe describe the vibe there for us? 
Yeah, sure. Um, you know, it's it's uh, a great community, first of all. You know, three um, small cities, um, if you will, uh, Chapel Hill, Durham, Raleigh, all within you know ten miles of each other, forming the the, the research triangle. Um, great universities, obviously, in all three of those: um, Duke, UNC, and NC State. So a highly educated workforce. Um, nice place to live. You know, you're a few hours from the mountains or the beach. Uh, relatively low cost of living. Uh, you know, you mentioned Cambridge, and and uh, that's important for employees, but also on the commercial real estate side, um, a relatively inexpensive place to grow a business. So. Uh, we've been able to um, relocate people from from all over the country as as they recognize the advantages of of living and working in North Carolina. Um, there's a growing uh, cluster of companies. A few other uh, companies um, have gone public in the past couple of years, as we did, um, and it's always been recognized as a, as the hub for uh, the CRO. Uh, the contract research organizations um, in biopharma. So there's a, a very a, a huge number of people here who know about how to manufacture and develop drugs, and um, that's a talent pool um, that's readily available. And, and we ha obviously have strong relationships with many of those CROs. Awesome. You have about 100 employees, and you described G1 Therapeutics as lean and highly focused. So as a CEO, what qualities do you look for in your executive team? I, I want them, I think it's healthy for, for those folks to be different than me. Um, by that, I mean they have different experiences. Um, their thought process is different. Uh, they're not afraid uh, to challenge me uh, or their colleagues. Um, they're not afraid to take risks, obviously, given uh, the stage of development we are. The, the, the culture here is highly collaborative, so we need people who, who listen. Obviously, they have to be incredibly smart, but uh, they don't need to prove it in meetings. So uh, you know, that, that's an attribute that we look for as well uh, in the leadership team. Excellent, Mark. Thanks so much for sharing your insights today. I really liked hearing about your background and how um, it, you know, it really comes to bear to what you're doing now. And um, and about the vibe down in North North Carolina and the proximity to the CROs, that is probably, you're right, tapping into that, those capabilities is a real positive for you all. So I really appreciate it. Thanks for being with us today. Oh, it was a real pleasure talking with both of you. And now it's time for this week's leadership tips from pharma execs. Hi, I'm Mark Valeka, CEO of G1 Therapeutics, and my leadership tips are, one, hire people smarter than you and listen to them. And two, remember, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Drug development takes a long time, so it's a marathon, not a sprint. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this week's PharmExec podcast. We are always pleased to take you behind the headlines, provide expert tips from industry leaders, and give you an inside look at what the PharmExec staff is working on. Remember that you can always find us on the web at PharmExec.com, on Twitter at PharmExec, on Instagram at PharmExecutive, and on YouTube. 
The views expressed on this podcast do not reflect the views of FarmExec, its parent company, or our advertisers. For editorial questions, please email editorial director Lisa Henderson at lhenderson at mmhgroup.com. And for sponsorship opportunities, please email group publisher Todd Baker at tbaker at mmhgroup.com.